Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be interviewing Most Worshipful Brother Steve Martin, Grandmaster of Masons in Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have our usual group of hosts. We have Worship Brother Stephen Chung from Prince Charles Lodge 153 in Kelowna, British Columbia. Very Worship Brother David Colbeth from King Solomon Number 60 in Auburn, Washington. Uh, I'm very worshipful Matt Apple, and I'm a member of Mill Creek 243 here in uh, Montlake Terrace, Washington, and worshipful brother Jared Dunham from Penticton 147 in Penticton, British Columbia. And we are honored to have with us this evening, or today, um, most worshipful brother Steve Martin, who is the the very recently installed Grand Master of Masons in Washington. So most worshipful sir, welcome, and, and thank you for coming out this evening. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So we uh we usually start off we're 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 always excited to do these grandmaster interviews. We usually sort of start off with a little a little bit about you. So how did you how did you become a mason? How did you how did you become grandmaster? Years of campaigning, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. It's still it's been just a little bit over a month and I still when I walk into a room and somebody says, "Hey, grandmaster," I turn around and I look for most worst brother Ed, you know. So it's <laughs> takes a little getting used to. Um I, I started actually, uh, my wife is a uh, majority rainbow girl from Alaska. And I had some some experience with masonry when I lived up in Alaska that was, uh, it, it wasn't, let's just say it wasn't positive in my mind. Um, and and not, not that it was, masonry was bad, but most of the men that I met up there through it were older masons that like to sit around and, and drink and argue. And that just wasn't for me. Well, now I'm one of those guys. No, but um, <laughs> that, it, it just didn't interest me at the time, you know, that, that that's what my experience was. And so I kind of vowed at that point, well, you know, I'll, I'll never be a Mason. And then we moved to the Seattle area and our youngest child uh, joined Rainbow, became a Rainbow Girl. And that was going along good. You know, it was it was a fun time and all that and got to meet some really nice people. In fact, uh, you know, our best friends, the Powells, uh, we met when we first moved here. And uh, that was all well and good until our child was elected faith of the assembly. And that's when I found out, oh, hey, by the way, you know, this cool title of Rainbow Dad and the guy that gets to sit in the West. You have to be a master mason. And I was like, well, wait a minute. So in order to be my child's rainbow dad, <laughs> exactly, David. <laughs> for, for those listening, I, have, you, I, I got hook, I hook my tongue and pull it hook my mouth and pull it off to the side. <laughs> uh so that's when I found out that in order to be rainbow dad, I had to be master mason. So I joined Lodge. Um, I actually joined uh Genesis, which is now part of Mill Creek. Um and it just opened up my world to what masonry was really about, not just not just 
guys getting together and arguing and drinking, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, at that point I, I dove into the, the world of the, the rainbow girls and dove into the world of masonry and got more involved in my lodge. Um, and I guess that's where, you know, the rest is history. It just, it built from there and it, it allowed me to find out what a, truly amazing organization Freemasons are. When you say it's rest of history, what kind of a timeline was that roughly when your daughter joined rainbow to, um, well, we, we moved down from Washington. We moved down from Alaska to Washington in 2005. Um, they joined rainbow in 2005. And then in 2008, January of 2008, um, Sorry, I just got a message that I was signed out. Am I still, everything's still good? Yeah, you're still here. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Um, so in 2008, I was uh, I was raised, January of 2008, I was raised as a Master Mason and installed as Rainbow Dad at the same time. Um, well, not the same time, but same month. And, uh, and I was actually a Rainbow Dad of Bothell Assembly from January 2008 I think until 2019 or 2020, every term I was rainbow dad. So that's two terms a year. So I was rainbow dad for like wow. 12 consecutive years, 24 consecutive worthy advisors. Wow. <laughs> and, and at the same time, of course, very involved in my lodge and, and getting more into masonry myself and, and doing some really good things with my lodge. And then it kind of came in, uh, I believe it was 2013. I was uh, asked by, at the time, Right Worshipful Brother Sam Roberts to join the leadership training committee for Grand Lodge. Um, what he didn't tell me is that I was joining as the chairman. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my first Grand Lodge gig was the... Uh, um, uh, Sorry about that buzzing. If you hear that buzzing, the garage door is closing. So, um, no, nope, didn't hear it. Good, good. Okay. Um, but that was, uh, that was my first experience into the Grand Lodge world. And, and that was uh, something that I will never forget because it was the most rewarding thing that I've done in quite some time. In fact, that, that might've been, the most rewarding thing personally outside of family that I've done um, was leadership training. Cause I, I really, in my opinion, helped turn that around from where it was to where it is today. Um, and so that was cool. And then after that, uh, not long after that, I was uh, deputy of the grand master. I was jurisdictional rainbow dad for Washington, Idaho rainbow. And uh, then I was uh, um, grand lecturer after I was deputy of the grand master. And then that's when I decided to make myself available. And I was fortunate enough to be elected during the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was the COVID year. Yeah. We did it online. That was crazy. Yep. Yeah, it was. Were you chairman just for that one year or were you chairman for more, more than that? Uh, I was chairman for three years. 
I was chairman of leadership training for three years and then um, decided to step down. And leadership training is one of those ones that I think it's important to have a, a three or a four year turnover to get somebody new in that position. And, you know, I, I strongly believe that the chairman should be working on their replacement because that's a hugely important committee, in my opinion, to our fraternity, because that's where we get 80% of all of our training comes through that committee. And, and that's when, you know, I, I took it from when I took over, it was only open to uh, wardens and deacons. And it was called the wardens conference at the time. And then when, when I took over, I talked with the XCOM, the executive committee at the time about changing it to truly a leadership conference training and training anybody that needed leadership training, not just wardens, but past masters that were going through again, or, you know, anybody, because I think that the training that we were doing was important to anybody. So we changed it then. And that's still the way it is today. And it's a pretty well attended event too, isn't it? It's, they do it out and it was in Wenatchee this year. Yeah, it was it was in Wenatchee this year, and and it is still very well attended. And it used to be, uh, you know, they would they would start classes on Friday night, and they would go until ten or eleven o'clock at night with classes on Friday night. Then they'd start first thing in the morning Saturday. They'd go up to dinner. They'd have dinner. They'd start classes again after dinner, and. Um, Another thing that I changed was I got rid of all those evening classes and just made it more about fellowship and getting together after the day and talking about what you learned during the day, because everybody has a different perspective on, on what they learned and there's classes that you weren't able to take. And it was just a great bonding time for the fellowship after the day for people to, to really talk about what they learned and, and share their experiences with brothers they just met. And so now, did you say this is actually open up to all Masons, not just uh, the wardens? Or do you that's, have to be an officer? Nope, that's that's correct. We have it open now to any Master Mason can can register and attend the training. That's excellent. Yeah. The, um, you, never know, you know, you never know. Again, past Masters, I think it's important for them to go through it again because you never know when they're going to have to go back through the chairs. And, you know, it, learning never stops. And, and I think also the, uh, the younger guys that maybe not are sitting in a seat yet, as we all know, the, the reality of masonry today is you could be not an officer this year and you could be senior warden next year. Um, so I just felt it was important that anybody that wanted the training, anybody that had that, that drive, that ability and wanted it should, should be able to take it. I know we have several classes that are open to the wives or spouses or significant others that attend females basically. And so uh, there's a little bit of talk about the possibility of opening up some of those classes to fellow craft or apprentices as well, since they're uh, co-classes is there. And I know usually the, the deputy grandmaster is in charge of that event or is in charge of that event. And so has there been any more discussion about the possibility of having some of those classes or more of those classes for leaders that identify themselves before they're master Mason. So I, I think, and 
you know, we haven't really made any decisions on that, but I think we opened it up to the ladies last year um, while I was deputy grandmaster because we felt it was important that I've heard over the years that the ladies need to know what's going on, um, what are their husbands getting themselves into. <laughs> so, so we opened some of the classes up to the ladies and, and we've talked about fellow crafts and entered apprentices. The problem with that is, is we, we run the risk of getting too big getting too many people that we just can't, we can't handle the numbers. Um, and, and so I think that if we open it up to beyond the master masons, then we're really going to have to expand the, the courses that we have. We're going to have to expand the staff that we have and, and maybe even think about putting in another day, um, yeah. you know, cause there's, there's a lot of people that attend and there's a lot of stuff that we go over in that essentially one day, day and a half. I, I could see that being kind of uh, an interesting turn of events to have uh, your wife be able to go to a, a, one of those leadership training courses. And as you're only a fellow craft, you're, you're not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that's just great turnaround. <laughs> well, but we have, we, we have classes that are, designed specifically not to be uh, dealing <clears throat> with anything esoteric or anything monitorial or anything like that. So that I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but you know, there's, there's classes that, and David, you can help me out. Sure, probably in, installation planning for one, installation planning for one is a, as a wide open class. Uh, yeah. The other one was conflict resolution, I think. And I, I had talked to some of the ladies afterwards and they really appreciated because Many of the ladies that attend, of course, are also in concordant organizations, which we just had a show about that, if you want to, <laughs> uh, distractions from uh, observing the craft. But but the they're part of other organizations, and they said they really enjoyed it because now they can take it back to their insert, pendant, group name, Eastern Star, Amaranth, whatever, to help them deal with conflict resolution. You know, and, and the uh, Masonic Renewal Committee, which is a a national committee through the conference of grand masters. Um, they did a study speaking of that, that I believe it was, and I don't, don't quote me on the number, but I believe it was Masons that are part of other concordant organizations, whether it's Scottish Rite or Amaranth or Eastern star are 85% more likely to pay their dues and not be dropped NPD because they have to be current in their blue lodge in order to be able to attend all the other concordant bodies. So joining concordant bodies is a good thing. <laughs> go, Jared, go. Jared, Jared has a smile. <laughs> You'll have to listen to it at some point to our what our last show. It probably won't come out until after your interviews, but we're, we're, we're exploring the Observing the Craft book by Andrew Hammer. And one of the chapters we just discussed was distractions, heavy with quotes, I'm air quoting here, uh, distractions. Oh. And th what, what it translated to was, appended organizations uh, distracting away from the true path of maybe what observing masonry might truly be and so it was an interesting discussion we we've had some direct responses on that but uh anyway i want to make this show about that or about leadership retreat necessarily but it's, well, it's and, but, but but i can offer my opinion on that too that you know that yeah please I, again if it wasn't for those concordant organizations if it wasn't for rainbow I would not be sitting here talking to you as grandmaster today. Yeah. yeah it's, for and that's, me, the, it's that's the juxtaposition. It's, it's tough. It's a tough. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of great. Else we can blame on Rainbow. Yep. 
So that kind of actually brings me back to a question I wrote down uh, when you were giving us your your bio there a bit. Uh, you know, at the beginning you had mentioned that uh, you didn't have the the greatest first experience, um, <clears throat> but then after uh, uh, joining uh, or connecting to it through uh, Rainbow Girls, um, you met different people. Well, what was different? What what um, changed your mind? For you, because um, it, I, I think that's an interesting um, scenario where you, 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 you maybe looked at Lodge, weren't too impressed with what you found, and now you're the grandmaster. Well, it, it you know, and I don't want it to come across wrong because the the guys that I met, you know, one of them was my father-in-law, and I loved him dearly, and. And most of the men that that they hung out with, you know, I, I really enjoyed those guys and I love being around them. But every time we got into a situation that was or or an event that was that was Masonic. And, and not even really I it's hard to explain whenever they got into the social aspect of it. It got to the point where it was just about drinking and arguing. And, and that's not even fair either, really. It wasn't just sure, that. Are you sure it wasn't a shrine event? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but, but, so, but, so that was the, 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 the negative aspect to it. What, what, what turned, what was positive about your next experience that, that, you know, had an impact enough to change your mind other, well, other, I, other than needing to do it for rainbow girl. Well, because I got to go and, and attend, um, I guess more than just the social side of it and, and see what, what was really going on in masonry. And, and it's, it's not their fault. It's just, that's all I was exposed to. And so that was in my mind, what it was all about. But once I got exposed to, you know, the brotherhood, the men of like minds, the ones that are trying to do good for the community and trying to do good for themselves and i know all those guys now that i met up in alaska were doing that but i didn't see that i saw that when i joined here and i saw how it it, a lot of what i didn't like now made sense you know because i could see that yeah they were arguing yeah they were drinking but they were having a good time together it was like family and and at the time, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as drinking and, you know, and and I don't drink, so it just didn't interest me. But seeing it from the other side, seeing that that fellowship, seeing that brotherhood, that really, again, opened up my eyes to the other side of it that I wish I would have seen 20 years ago. Thanks. That's uh, uh, <clears throat> it's an important thing, I think, to uh, um, try to uh, keep an open mind when you're looking into um, whether it be Freemasonry or anything you're you're in, of seri- have a serious interest in. Um, and I'm I'm glad you took a second look at it in that in that way. Um, the I know my. I was in Demolay, so with Demolay and Job's daughters, there were a lot of uh, Job's daughters' dads that ended up joining Lodge. Um, usually, it was to be on the Guardian Council, 
but there were the odd ones that, that joined Lodge uh, for themselves um, because they were exposed to it and because they were seeing what their daughters were experiencing in Job's daughters. And they thought, well, if it was anything like that, um, that you know, they could see the positives and how, how it could be positive experience for themselves. So they were joining for themselves at that point, right? Which which was really really cool to to hear. Um, being on the membership committees, I, I get to find uh, I get to find out why everybody wants to join when they come and knock on our door, right? So uh, yep. I get I get a variety of answers, and that that one's pretty cool. Well, and I and I think this uh, this goes back to the this why I feel strongly about the six steps program because the six steps program gives a person like me twenty years ago better insight to what's really going on and you know it, it's you're you're taking it slow but you're also you also have to remember that. You're, you're always a Mason. And so people are looking at you all the time to see how you're, you're acting. And if you're, if you're always acting like an ass, people are going to think Masons are all asses, you know? So, so you really have to, you know, I, I think you, you, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how to put it into words, but you, you, you're a Mason a hundred percent of the time and you represent no matter where you're at, whether it's Facebook or whether it's a grocery store and you know, some, some brothers would do well to remember that a little bit more. Yeah. I appreciate you talking about the six steps too. We talk about that idea. We stole it or borrowed it or share it with the British Columbia Yukon. And so we, we utilize that of course a lot. And I just was talking with a good brother, uh, Dan White about that idea of what if when lodges, don't use it or maybe don't or use some form of it, then the candidates, the inquirers, or what is it you guys call, what is it you call them, Steve? Seekers. That, I like that word. They call them seekers. Yeah. That they will, if you don't provide the expectations through some version of six steps, they will implement their own expectations. And then when you don't meet their expectations that they've implemented for themselves, then they're disappointed. And so when you, you bring in 10 new guys, and only four of them are engaged, you wonder why. Well, it's because you didn't give them the set of expectations ahead of time. So they knew what to expect and what was going to be expected of them. And they inserted their own. And then when that didn't happen, it could be they had higher expectations or lower expectations or something in between. But when you don't meet that, then they'll use their own measuring stick. Yep. For sure. It, it's a, it's an amazing program. Uh, it, I'm so glad that it was introduced when, when it was, because we needed something to guard the West gate. And, um, it was a great measuring stick. You know I mean? It, it, in, in a sense, it, it, it weeds out a lot of the people that are just idle curiosity. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I get, I get criticized a fair bit for, uh, being so adamant about uh, giving them a memory test, right? But I I stick to my guns on that because it doesn't matter which work you're doing, there is uh, a prove-up that needs to be done. You have to be able to commit something to memory or you cannot 
join Freemasonry. And if they're not willing to put the work in, how committed are they? Right. So uh, that six step program was, was probably uh, one of the more impactful programs. Um, I, I am eager to learn more about what you did with the leadership training uh, committee, uh, being that you were, you know, it was basically dropped in your lap and you, and you took it and, and ran with it. And, and um, from what I'm hearing, I kind of like made it your own and then just, just went, went hair straight back and, and uh, got it uh, to a, a really active point. Well, it was uh, again, um, most worship brother, Sam Roberts uh, was the, was the one that asked me to do it. And he was, senior grand warden at the time. Um, and, and Sam is, is one of my biggest supporters and one of my biggest mentors. He was the one that, that finally convinced me to, uh, you know, make myself available because he saw something in me that, that I didn't see. Um, and he put me in at leadership training and, and him and I talked a lot about where it was going, where he wanted it to, his vision of it. And then he pretty much gave me, you know, I won't say free reign. I had to run it, of course, all by the executive committee, but gave me enough free reign to where I could make significant changes. And and again, one of the significant changes that I made is we didn't do any classes on Friday night. The only thing we did Friday night was we had the uh, um, fellowship dinner, a guest speaker, and then social time. And that was a really good way to kick it off. They still do that today. Um, day two, you know, we started in the morning. We had classes all day long. We had dinner. We went back to classes until like 11 o'clock at night. So what I did is I implemented where we got up to dinner. We did our dinner. And then after dinner, we had an open bar. And the open bar was where everybody would gather and talk about what they did during the day. And so you get just because of the nature of our leadership training, you get junior wardens from all over the state coming together, talking about what they've learned and what they want to implement and what they want to do. You get senior wardens coming together, talking about what they learned. And, and it just really, and of course, you know, you get a couple of drinks involved and, and it starts where people don't argue, but, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, it it worked out really well the first year that we decided to keep doing it. And, and in fact, they don't have the open bar anymore because the, uh, the convention center in Wenatchee isn't as conducive to that as when we were in Pasco, because in Pasco they had a bar and everybody just went to the bar and it wasn't really open bar, but they gave us like significant discounts. And so guys would go there and again, just have a good time. And, the the conversations that came from those evening sessions were just as valuable as the training that they took during the day. I I, I firmly believe that today. <clears throat> so the if I understand correctly, you you eliminated replaced the training on Friday nights with a social. You replaced the training on Saturday nights with a social. So you just have the Saturday daytime. Is there a Sunday component to this? There, There is a Sunday component. Sunday morning is usually the installation planning 
and um, there's there's like a third degree workshop, um, you know, some kind of floor work and ritual workshop going on at the same time for the guys that aren't doing installation planning. The installation planning is open up to all the guys that are planning and their wives. And the first time I taught that class, my first year as chairman, and the first thing I did is I brought up my wife and I said, you know, guys, if you don't have one of these, get one. <laughs> because it's amazing how much the ladies can help out in the installation. They are so much better at that than, than us guys are. Wow. The the ladies are helping with the installation. You mean the planning and, and organizing of it? Yeah. Like, yep. Uh, the, okay. you know, the, the we always planning. have open installations. Most yeah. of the time, open installation. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we, we don't have those here. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, we we do usually open installations, the, and the ladies really help with the meal planning, with the the decorations, the you know, the things outside of the lodge, outside of the actual installation itself, the reception and all that that goes on. The ladies are a great help with that. Well, that's a, a good segue time, I think, because uh, we're going to uh, run out of recording here and and. Um... Maybe we can get another episode if uh, if you have time tonight. Absolutely. I do feel obligated to ask Jared, as usual, as being his uh his reluctant to speak self, but this guy can't cut your dues card up. He's you can ask him whatever was, you want. <laughs> I was gonna ask, is he just here to look good? Is that you know <laughs> anything? We we gotta have somebody who makes us look smart. Okay. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the less you say, the smarter you look, right? <laughs> Well, on that note, um, as usual, we, we enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you have anything, any comments on social media or YouTube or, or any of those things, I guess YouTube is social media. Anyway, I'm old. And uh, so if you're, uh, we are interested in hearing your comments and, and, um, and thoughts on our episodes. And uh, with that, um, first of all, Grandmaster, thank you very much for, for being here. We appreciate your, your coming out. And uh, on behalf of Jared and Stephen and David and myself, we thank you all for listening to the Working Tools Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.